0: Welcome to LOA Today, Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Monday, February 26, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for today. And we had a good first daily dose with Tom. We're going to do a second daily dose today that's just spectacular because that's the way we kick off Mondays around here. We don't say, oh God, it's another Monday. We say, yes, it's another
1: Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: because it is it's wonderful and uh, we had a great sunday leading into the monday because uh louise and i made some new friends we've already shouted out this morning to lucy but i'm going to do it again because you know it's fun to shout out to a new friend so lucy and shane it was great meeting you on sunday um lucy is the one who was our first caller on the tuesday night podcast that tom and i have been doing for the last couple weeks and uh i i have to say one of the, of the first things that she said to me when we met was, she was so glad to be the first caller.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> that was nice. great.
0: That was really great. And they're great people. They're really nice people. We had a lot of fun talking about all kinds of stuff, not just LOA, but a whole, all bu- whole bunch of stuff. I mean, just like a wide range. So it was really good. It was like, a, it, it was like a, a preview of coming attractions because we're really trying to attract a whole new experience in terms of entertaining and having people in and and having it be a whole positive LOA crowd. And that's what it's starting to turn into. So this is is good stuff. This is exciting.
2: Yay. Well, it sounds like you're meeting a whole bunch of wonderful, like-minded people. That's always a good thing.
0: It really is. No doubt about it. And, And we are. We're making some great friends. We've met, I don't know, something like eight people so far. And the best part is that part of it is my outreach but the other part is just plain LOA listeners calling in saying hey I hear you're living in the Hartford area let's connect like cool I like this this is good this is the way it should be
2: that's wonderful that's so wonderful I'm glad for you and Louise
0: well thank you very much and and how was your weekend did you have anything good going on anything exciting
2: well I had some fun stuff because you know I love to do online shopping and I love to research things and and googling all sorts of stuff and i finally after many many months have came to my decision on a refrigerator to buy uh-huh. and because uh, i got i just kind of got the hit like okay you've been looking for a while you kind of already know which one now it's time to go out and buy it and so i did so it's coming next saturday and you know it's just fun to get new stuff absolutely you know? so, oh yeah yeah
0: That's great. Congratulations. That's fantastic.
2: Thank you. Yeah. It's like having a new appliance, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just as long as you don't have to feed it and change it, that's all.
2: (laughs) (sighs) Nope, just plug it in. It's good to go. (laughs) There you go. That's the way
0: an appliance should be. No doubt about it. So, Anyway, we are continuing our exploration of the law of attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham by Esther and Jerry Hicks, the one that uh, – What's that?
2: And before we do, I didn't add this to my weekend, but um, oh, I wanted more. to give my update But wait, on there's Project more. X. But wait! <laughs> I was kind of waiting for you to lead in. I'm like, oh, he forgot. Well, I guess I'll have to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were so, done. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I kind of had a, a unique experience. I guess we could call it unique. For the last three days um, on my update for Project X, which is... There hasn't been a lot to report. And Hmm. I kind of feel like um, uh, my inner being's kind of gone on radio silence. And, I, of course, when it's been so silent, I've been asking questions like, am I missing something? What's up? And even over the weekend, I'm like, okay, normally on the weekend I get all sorts of insight. And I kind of was getting this sense of my inner being is keeping me busy doing other stuff. Hmm. you know, such as looking for my refrigerator and uh, to keep me away from being concerned that I wasn't getting new insight. (laughs) Uh
0: Aha.
2: And so that's caused me to ask kind of some news questions because remember, Project X is an experiment for me. So I'm kind of in some uncharted territory and that's really the fun of um, sharing every day what the update is because I am in uncharted territory and What I'm sensing—I don't know this for certain—but what I'm sensing is, I've done—I've done such a good job of really staying so focused on Project X on a minute-by-minute basis um, that I think what I was kind of sensing is that the momentum is already in motion, and so it doesn't require a whole lot more from me. And if I need to do something specific, I'll know. And so I've kind of likened it to, you know, when you are stoking a fire, like when you're building a fire. In the beginning, it takes a lot of effort, you know, to get the kindling to start to burn. And, you know, you kind of keep blowing on it until it starts to go on its own. And you keep adding small, little, teeny kindling then a little bit bigger sticks until the big logs catch on fire. And once the logs are going, you can kind of sit back and you don't have to do as much, And I kind of sense maybe that's where I'm at with Project X. Like the big logs are now, they're going. And it doesn't require a whole lot of maintenance, you know. And every now and then if I need to put another log on there to get it going, I'll know. So I think that's where I'm at.
0: Okay. Well, it makes sense compared to what you were talking about last week. Because last week you were emphasizing how you're a doer and how it's not – Normal for you to sit around waiting for something to happen, so it it makes total sense that the uh, your your guys on the other side would say, "Well, let's keep her busy because we don't want her feeling like she doesn't have anything to do."
2: Yeah, it's kind of like you know, go out and chop wood and stack logs. Yeah, you know? that's right. But we don't need you to put anything on the fire. Everything's doing good, so that's kind of how it. it so I appreciate that feedback because, you know, sometimes I'm so close to it. I forget the things that I've said, you know, a couple of days before, or, you know, you probably have more of a bird's eye view, you know, where I'm more subjective, you know, experiencing it minute by minute because every minute I'm like, is there something for me to do? Is there something for me to do? What else? What's next? <laughs> I'm so ready to jump on it. So.
0: Meanwhile, your inner being is saying, get down already. <laughs>
2: take a chill pill how many times do we have to tell you that take a chill pill (laughs) I'm like oh I just, I am not very practiced at chill I mean that one I am so willing to admit Um, yeah that one's not practiced
0: well it's rough when your inner being says hey take a vacation
2: (laughs) and I'm like what? huh? where? (laughs) what? (laughs)
1: Well so they is probably came up with dream. the best, best that could
2: be done over the weekend. What I did receive um a couple new end tables on Friday, so I played with that Friday night and Saturday and then it was start to look for your your refrigerator or start to do the last bit of it. So you know, I had stuff around the house to keep me busy or occupied. Um, and then I was really tired yesterday. I mean really tired. I just didn't want to even move. So at least when I when I'm really tired the good part and the bad part is, so when I'm really tired, I lay down or I sit down. But the bad part is, well, my body's not in motion. So now my brain wants to be in motion.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to
2: think. I want to do stuff. So cause there's, I don't know if I, I ever just put them both on rest. Maybe when I'm sleeping,
1: I, then I the get... body
2: and the mind go on rest. But otherwise I've, in one part of me or, or the all day long.
0: I I guess there are only so many ways you can play with an end table that's a brand-new end table. I mean, that game kind of gets old pretty soon, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Although, I did decide that I want to stain the tops, so I did get to do some researching. Yeah, I don't know that the the tops of the end tables. It's kind of a raw wood. It's sort of semi-rustic, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know that it really blends with my other stuff. But I love the style, so I'm totally keeping them. But then I started researching how to stain, and I'm like, yeah, I could do that. That'd be a fun project.
0: (laughs) I just love the fact that the the biggest crisis... Going on right now in the show is you trying to decide what color you're going to stain your table. The rest of the world is dealing with you know all kinds of crazy crises, and and that's all we're worried about is just these little <laughs> things. It's it's really quite a contrast when you think about it.
2: You mean there are problems going on in the world <laughs> that I don't know about? Isn't
0: that something? <laughs> yeah, people just uh, keep creating problems left and right. It's it's you know it's the way they've always done things, right? And and you know it's like they, like we talked about last week. That's the way my mother did it. That's the way her mother did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. I do sense a pattern. Anyway, like I was saying, <laughs> I think we're in a silly mood today, you know that?
2: <laughs> uh, I think so. <laughs>
0: Anyway, we we were talking about the book The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham by Esther and Jerry Hicks, and we've been making quite a bit of progress. Um and we've also been enjoying the fact that it's been creating quite a few topics for us to do here on the show. Uh but we're up mm-hmm. to uh a, a, an interesting topic, one that I was talking about with uh Louise just, just yesterday, actually. Uh the topic is Are my thoughts in my dreams creating? Hmm. So let's but read for Jerry
2: says. Yep. Go jump in. Yeah, go ahead. So right Jerry ahead. says, "I would like to understand the dream world. Are we creating in our dreams? Are we attracting anything through the thoughts that we are having or experiencing in our dreams?"
0: And before I read Abraham's reaction, my reaction is, "I sure hope not." After some of the nightmares I've had, because I don't want to recreate those—that's for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, what does Abraham have to say?
0: Abraham says, "You are not. Oh, good. Thank God." <laughs> you are not. While you sleep, you have withdrawn your consciousness from your physical time-space reality, and you are temporarily not attracting while you are sleeping. Whatever you are thinking, and therefore feeling, and that which you are attracting is always a match. Also, what you are thinking and feeling in the dream state and what is manifesting in your life experience is always a match. Hmm. Your dreams give you a glimpse into what you have created or what you are in the process of creating but you are not in the process of creating while you are dreaming.
1: Hmm.
2: So it sounds like it's a, it's a, like a movie trailer. Yeah. It's a precursor. It hasn't come out yet, but it's in the process of it. Is that what it sounds like to you?
0: Kind of that, yeah. It, it sounds like it's a little bit like a movie trailer and it sounds like yeah, what's the old phrase, uh, coming attractions?
2: <laughs> coming attractions, that was the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, so you got it <laughs> It sounds
0: like coming attractions. And uh, mm-hmm. again, I, now I'm a little bit worried about my subconscious mind because I, I can think about some of the, I, I had a couple of nightmares last week and I'm thinking, all right, well, if these are coming attractions, I think I got to ratchet up the joy part because that ain't good.
2: <laughs> well, maybe when once you read the next paragraph, maybe it'll cover...
0: Well, that's true. We didn't finish this. So let's see what it says. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So it says, often you are unaware of the pattern of your thoughts until they actually manifest in your experience because you have developed your habit of thought gradually over a long period of time. And while it is possible, even after something unwanted has manifested, to focus and change it to something you do want, it is more difficult to do that after it has manifested. Well, that's true. An understanding of what your dream state really is can help you recognize the direction of your thoughts before they actually materialize in your experience. And then in italics, it is much easier to correct the direction of your thoughts when your dream is your indication than it is when a real-life manifestation is your indication. Well, I guess you that's broke true. Up a
2: little, you broke up a little bit when you read that, so I'm going to read that last italics part again. Oh, Okay. It is much easier to correct the direction of your thoughts when your dream is your indication that it is when a oh, Okay, I really botched that up. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> it is, see, I guess we really need to get this sentence down. That's what it, it is. It is much easier to correct the direction of your thoughts when your dream is your indication than it is when a real life manifestation is your indication.
0: Which makes sense.
2: I just, Okay.
0: I mean, it makes sense because I certainly wouldn't want to try to fix it after it's manifested. That's like that's like the horse in the barn routine, you know?
2: Yeah. Okay. But somehow I was getting stuck up on stuck on this one word. So it's easier to correct the direction of your thought um, while it's in your dream because it's only in an indication form mm. versus when it becomes a real-life manifestation.
1: Right. Right.
2: Okay. That makes sense. That makes total sense. So use that a number of times, like I, if I've had a dream that I'm like, ooh, I do not like what what seems to be occurring, this would not be a cool thing to have manifest. Um, and so then while it's still in dream form, you know, when I wake up or even sometimes if I wake up in the middle of the night and I become aware of a dream that I'm not liking, I will start to work on it right then and there in terms of, OK, what is it that I do prefer? And I start putting an emphasis on that. And sometimes I even have the ability to, like, fall back asleep while I'm thinking about what I prefer. And I've even had it be where, like, the old dream sort of re- reemerges. And because I'm not totally asleep, I start to, I guess you could say, manipulate the direction I want it to go.
0: Well, okay. If I if I try to do that with my, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what what my dream was, and I still haven't figured out why I was dreaming it. But the dream I had was I was being chased by modern day Nazis who were threatening to kill me. So, it's not difficult to decide what it is I want instead. <laughs> that, that part is pretty well, clear. <laughs> when
2: you when you call something a modern day Nazi, what what does that mean?
0: Uh I mean that they they were almost stereotypical, like right out of the movies. They they behaved like Nazis that you Pershing saw down, when you... The you know, walk,
2: kind of thing? I'm sorry? Were they like marching down the streets?
1: No, no,
0: no. These were, these were people who were... They were dressed in uniforms, and they were... I mean, it was very personal. They were coming after me. They were like within feet of me, and they were trying to trap me, and they were giving every, every indication they were going to kill me, and they were talking in... You know, snidely whiplash voices. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so what does that re- – I mean, what do modern-day Nazis represent to you? I,
0: I haven't a faintest clue. When I woke up from the dream, I, the, my first reaction was, what the heck was that all about? Because I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, the best I can say is maybe – I don't know. I, I, can't even, I can't even hazard a guess. I don't even know. Okay,
2: so this this is how I go for dream interpretation. Okay. If the literalness of it doesn't speak, isn't obvious, um, let's dig more into how it felt. So say again that, like, when they were chasing you, you felt what?
0: How did I feel? Well, obviously, I felt a degree of fear. You know what else I felt? I felt pissed off. (laughs) Like, who the hell do you think you are coming after me?
2: (laughs) Oh, now that's kind of cool. I don't know what to do with it, but it's interesting. Uh,
0: Okay, you first. I have no idea what else to say about it, uh, other than it just seemed like, it it seemed almost impertinent, what they were doing. (laughs) Okay, tell me what impertinent,
2: what does impertinent mean to you? Because that's not a word I use much.
0: Well, I may not be even using it properly in this Particular context. That's okay. But I mean, the way I was meaning it was, it was it was almost like they were being rude. And and I would have to say, trying to kill me is rude. But it, it's just a weird reaction.
2: <laughs> well, you know, but that's really interesting because when you first started and you were just saying, you know, you felt kind of scared. Well, that made it sound like you were more of a victim of they're chasing you. Yeah. But now, as you kind of described it a little bit fuller, it sounds more like you were just ticked off, like, get out of here. Who do you think you are? Yeah, that's what it felt
0: like. Yeah.
2: That tells me you're in a better state of power. Like, there may be, quote, enemies out there, but you're not being, um, uh, what's the word? So You're not being squashed by their intimidation. Because their intimidation is not even working on you. You're just like, get out of my way.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, in the dream, I I was truly physically trapped. So I really had nowhere to go. And so in that sense, that's where the fear part came in. But the other part of it was it was somewhere between just being revolted and being in a space of, um, I don't know what the word is. Uh, it's one of those occasions where words have failed me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, di- please, please dial again. <laughs> See if we can get another number. <laughs> I mean, well, so, I, I don't know. I don't right. know how to describe the feeling. It, it was, it, it was a feeling that, It was a very incongruous feeling. Let's put it that way. I I was in a situation, like you said, where I was set up to be the victim, and I didn't really feel like the victim. I I just felt more like this whole thing was preposterous, like it had no business happening. And what the heck was this all about? And when I woke up, I had the same feeling.
2: (laughs) What the heck was this all Hmm. about? Well, I'll tell you, that does not sound like that's a terror dream by any means. It doesn't because you weren't a victim in the dream. No, even if you were, you know, as you said, kind of like backed into a corner. So, you know, many like a, a boxer or a fighter or someone in an MMA cage, they get backed up into a corner all the time, and they come out swinging.
0: Well, that's true, and and I, maybe that's where it comes in because lately i've been I've been trying to kind of reevaluate my view about well, how do you handle situations of self-defense and how does that fit into LOA and and always I kept going back to well you don't attract it in the first place (laughs) but it doesn't really answer the question what happens if you find yourself trapped because you know you you ended up uh, focusing on the wrong stuff and got kind of trapped yourself kind of checkmated yourself and I guess the conclusion I came to was you're perfectly justified in doing whatever it takes to to preserve your life or protect your loved ones or whatever. You just try to get out of that situation as fast as you can so you can focus back on what you should be focusing on in the first place. So, I don't know. Maybe that but was you know, tied in.
2: Well, oftentimes bullies, um, you know, come out with a big roar with the uh, intention of intimidating someone. True. But if the one who's in the position of, quote, being intimidated refuses to be intimidated and actually roars back, Oftentimes, the bully goes whimpering away. And that's kind of the position I, when I think about when I need to defend myself, I like to look at, you know, what's someone else's psychology? Are they just trying to intimidate me because they don't really have the guts? Because I do. <laughs> I'm self-empowered. I'm congruent. I know who I am. But, you know, most of the time, bullies don't so it takes very little to knock them over
0: <laughs> this is true by the way bullies are so I just want,
2: yeah i just wonder if in, in your dream you were giving yourself your own um show of how you're not persuaded to fall apart just because somebody wants to be intimidating
0: No, I just have to convince the Dream Factory to give me a different kind of dream next time because I really don't want to do that one again. (laughs) It wasn't fun.
2: Well, I guess I'm thinking you don't even have to convince the Dream Factory of anything because this is what I believe Abraham is saying. In the daylight, which is what we are now, take it apart, think on it, and choose what you want.
0: Okay, I choose not to have it anymore.
2: Well, not, that's not, no, choosing a position of power. Oh, okay. Well, you you left it open-ended. I mean, come on. Well, but if you stand in, I'm powerful. And you know what? Nobody can knock me off of my position because I know who I am. And I will not be swayed. You know, that's a very different position. And when you stand in that, that would cause different kinds of dreams.
0: Yeah, that's true. In mm-hmm. fact, that, that uh, th- there were two of them that I was dealing with. And if those two dream Nazis saw me materialize like a, a weapon in my hand, they better run for the hills because i want to use it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you could, I mean, you could have an actual weapon materialize. Um, I, I just have such a belief that we as individuals can be so powerful, but we don't always know how to use our power. And even though I'm going to pull an example out of my Christian past, I still think it it holds merit. Um, oh gosh, what is the guy's name? David Wilkerson. Um, he's kind of a, a well-known, he's much older now, but well-known individual in the Christian um, circuit. And he was an evangelist, and he worked in, like, the deepest, darkest, baddest part of, like, Harlem. I think that's where it was. And he worked with a lot of young kids that were in the hood and um while he was just out in that area one day one of the you know hoodlums so to speak comes up to him puts the knife in his face and you know starts to accost him and i don't know if he wanted to take his wallet or whatever it was but he knew that you know um i'm sorry not david wilkerson his name was nicky cruz Anyway, so Nikki is feeling backed up into a corner, in a sense, because there's a knife up against him.
1: Mm -hmm. There's not
2: much he can do. And he just said, you know, Jesus loves you. And you can cut me up into millions of pieces, and every one of those pieces will still let you know Jesus loves you. (laughs) And that was such an empowering thing for him to say. It knocked the kid back in terms of, he didn't know what to do with that.
0: It was out of the mind. Like,
2: excuse me, you're supposed to be scared out of your mind. Right, yes. And instead, you're choosing not to be afraid of me? Like, what's wrong with that? So, I mean, that story ended in a very positive way, and they actually began a dialogue, and it it turned into a book, because their relationship became so empowering, and the kid became a uh, saved Christian and started helping other kids in the hood, you know, turn their lives around.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that was such a powerful influence on me. as I probably learned that story when I was in junior high. Um, but that's kind of how I think today. That that story has always carried, been carried deep within my soul. Which is, when you know who you are, you don't, you don't, you're not afraid. Because he was willing to die. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, hey, I have one last message, by the way. <laughs> yeah know? right. And I've, and, and I've heard Abraham say that one person who's aligned and in, in their vortex, when they're aligned to their inner being, is more powerful than millions, millions that are not aligned. And, you know, part of that awareness and understanding is, holds within it a desire for me to stay in my alignment on such a consistent basis and or know how to how to get back in it when necessary. <laughs>
1: yes. So that
2: if ever um I just for whatever reason stumble over something that normally I don't where I'm I'm in harm's way, I can handle myself with grace and calm because I know who I am.
0: I think there's a lot so, to be said for what you're saying there. Um I, I do have to acknowledge that um, I come more from the Indiana Jones school where he gets accosted by the, uh, sword-wielding guy in, in one of those first movies that he did and he pulls out a revolver and shoots and then walks away.
2: So. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I, I would just probably dart somebody with like, you know, happy juice or love juice
0: or something like that. Well, that's a good one. I like that. That works. <laughs>
2: You could have bullets made of happy juice and, you know, it knocks them silly and they start laughing all over the place. You're like the laugh guy. You could do that. (laughs) And you could just say, you have the boy version and I have the girl version, you know, but it's all the same energy. That doesn't really matter.
0: (laughs) Well, it's nice to know that we're we're pandering to both genders. That's a good
1: thing.
2: But, you know, last week we were talking about congruence and consistency, a little bit about it here. Um, But, you know, being congruent in yourself, being authentic, which means you know who you are and you walk your talk. um, To me, there is like almost nothing more powerful on the planet than that. Because that equals alignment. And alignment is the most powerful vibration that exists. This is true. I've never said that before, and that makes felt like felt really good to say that. It's mm. like, yeah, I resonate to that. That is that is true.
0: So apparently, I had this nightmare just so that you could say that.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's how we work in tandem. There you it have is. A weird dreams. See, this is all I'll teamwork. Interpret it and get inspired. <laughs> That's what this is. This is
0: all teamwork. We we work together. This is
2: good. <laughs> Yeah. I kind of even want to say that again. So when you are congruent <laughs> by being it. in such your own alignment and walking your own talk, that's the same thing as being fully aligned to your source being energy. And there is nothing more powerful on the planet than that vibration.
0: Well, it's true. We know it's true. It's also very well worded. So congratulations.
2: Thanks. And I almost kind of said it the same way twice. I never know how <laughs> that's possible. So, Wow. Cool, cool, cool. Now, if you ask me in 10 minutes what I said, I'll say, I don't know, because that was total stream of consciousness. I'll have to listen to the recording.
0: (laughs) Well, be prepared. There will be a quiz. Now, the next section. (laughs) Thank
1: you so very much.
0: So the next section is entitled, Must I Take Their Good and Their Bad? And that that sounds to me like the previous section because that's what Indiana Jones says. No, I'm not going to take the bad. I'm done with that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Go ahead, Jerry. Ask the (laughs) question. Okay. So the
0: question is, to what degree are we a part of what someone whom we're associated with has attracted, wanted or unwanted? In other words, how much does another person whom we're associated with bring into our life what they've attracted, the things that we want or the things that we don't want? It's a little bit confusing Ab- the way he worded it. but um,
2: Yeah. And uh, Abraham says, nothing can come into your life without your attention to it. Most people, however, are not very selective about the aspects of others to which they give their attention. In other words, if you notice everything about someone else, then you are inviting all of those aspects into your life. So if you give your attention only to the things that you like most about them, you will invite into your experience only those things. Then in italics it says, if in your life you have attracted them, and while it is sometimes difficult to believe, you also attract everything about your experience with them, for nothing could come into your experience without your personal attraction of it.
0: So I guess I have to conclude that I better stop thinking about the guy wielding the sword in the Middle East with with Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones because I really don't want to track that.
2: <laughs> you know, this, this question of Jerry's and Abraham's answer is something that I think trips so many people up. Like, even though I believed it to be true, and when I say that, I don't believe it because Abraham said it. I believe it because my inner being resonates with it. Like, there's such a sense of yes that's so true but then when it comes to the living of life and experiencing something with somebody that just really ticks me off i know that my internal response needs to be i attracted that but i don't wanna because i don't like it (laughs) oh yeah like you know and i ask the question what on earth in me attracted that what am i vibrating to that brings this to me um so I I could go on and on, but I'll let you share because it sounds like you have something on. Yeah, your
0: actually, I was thinking that uh, this this issue is is really at the root of most issues on the planet, of mo- particularly of public issues. You know, where there's some sort of political angle, or you know, people are complaining because such and such thing happened or whatever. And it it would be a completely different debate if everybody understood that they attract stuff but they don't. They don't know that. They don't understand that. Their religions don't necessarily teach them that or their spiritual guidance or whatever, you know, whatever they're listening to or whatever the latest TV show is, you know, they, they just don't, they, they don't buy into the idea that they attracted it. So everybody points fingers, right? You know, you don't yeah. like what's going on. You point a finger and you say, well, that's, that's something that's wrong over there. We got to fix that. Or you know that's something you know. Why isn't the governor taking care of that? Why isn't the president taking care of that? Why doesn't Congress do anything? Does why do we even elect them? Shouldn't we just we should just wipe them all out and put them all in, put in a whole bunch of people who will actually do something, right? Because it's right. all about fixing stuff that's out there.
2: And well, it's out there is like the key word. Yes, it is. It's out there, and the truth is, nothing is out there that isn't a mirror reflection of what's inside of us. And the only reason we even see what's out there is because it's mirroring back to us what's inside. And so the person who doesn't see what's out there, it's because what's out there doesn't match what they have inside. Only those that notice what's out there notice it because it's matching who they are inside or something about themselves inside.
0: Isn't it funny how we can't ever escape ourselves?
2: <laughs> we really can't.
0: I mean, it, even it seems like we can point fingers at somebody else and say, okay, that person needs to act a certain way for me to be happy, but it doesn't work. And that's really what one of the, of the great things that Abraham's teaching us, that that really mm-hmm. doesn't work. It's not the way things actually operate. And if you try to resolve things that way, you'll only be disappointed. Which, coincidentally, is exactly what happens. People keep trying to solve things that way, and they're only disappointed.
2: You know, some of my earliest memories of the way relationships are, quote, supposed to work, um, and the only reason I say, quote, supposed to work is because, you know, I used to hear people talking about what's expected in a relationship and how they're supposed to be. And, you know, I always heard that, like, you're supposed to meet each other's needs. Right, yes. And so a lot of arguing goes on when they're not meeting each other's needs. And then you have – then there's this um, argument um, – Oh, gosh, there is a phrase. It's kind of like a contract. This is for, like, evolved people. A contract of how to argue. I know there's a nicer name for it than what I just said. But it's like there's a – a set of protocol that you agree upon that when you come to conflict, here's how you resolve it. It's like conflict resolution 101. And, you know, part of it is like, okay, so one person talks and the other person listens and then one person mirrors back. Here's what I think I heard you say. But even when that's on the table, it's still all about, but you're not meeting my needs. Right. And so I'm saying to somebody, you're not meeting your my needs because you're out every night when I'm home and I'm by myself and I'm alone. And so kind of like, it's your fault that I'm lonely, you know? And okay. So we'll put this in men and women's terms. So like, if these are my issues and the man says, well, but I'm working late to make more money so that you can have the house that you want. I'll say, yeah, but
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) yeah, but you're not here for me. And so, and, and, You know, if you loved me, you wouldn't allow me to be lonely and you'd be here with me. And so I just know because I've done marriage counseling for other people, you know, it's like these are the kinds of conflicts that go back and forth. But if each person is blaming each other for why they're unhappy, well, they're never going to get to the bottom of it because the other person is never nor was ever intended to be the one to make the like If the person's feeling lonely. It's really not the husband's job to make the wife feel not lonely. It's the wife's job.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, yeah. and if the husband feels like oh, an advantage of in my marriage because I have to work, 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 and my wife wants, wants to be the stay-at-home wife, and then she complains when I work so much. Mm. Well, that's really not his – it's not his appropriate for him to blame her. That's his problem. It's like whatever we feel, it's our own problem to deal with. And uh, that's not what we were trained.
0: No, not at and all. So,
2: like, You know, what Abraham is talking about here is if you're connected to someone and there's something you don't like, that's because there's something in you that's matching up with this person that's causing you to have conflict.
0: Well, let me bring up a scenario that I saw just today, actually, on Facebook in, in the uh, LOA group. Um, Somebody had posted about this, and I I actually wrote a rather lengthy set of replies to this person. But I'm curious to see how you'd handle it, because in the context of our decision, maybe I might have handled it differently. Um, In this particular scenario, the woman who's posting is talking about how she and her husband um, have a visit from her in-laws once every three weeks, and her in-laws are very controlling. Um, and really pretty much make her life miserable, and she doesn't see any way out of it. And it turns out they actually cut a deal with the in-laws. The in-laws put up the money uh, for the down payment or whatever on the house that they have. And apparently the agreement was made that um, in return for putting up this money, the in-laws would have the right to show up at least once every three weeks. They actually previously wanted to show up anytime they wanted to with just five days' notice. And she negotiated to, you know, once every three weeks was, was the most often they could do it. So so there's the scenario. And she's miserable. And <laughs>
2: That's a unique one. I've it never really, heard that before. It is unique.
0: It is unique. And and uh, apparently when she talks about it with her husband, her husband's reply is, well, we have to humor them, so we just have to put up with it. And that isn't working for her at all. She's just an absolute misery. So you want to take a swing at that one?
2: Well... Okay, so did she have a question?
0: Your question was, how do I deal with this? I'm trying to keep myself positive. I'm trying to keep myself happy, and, and I'm miserable, and I can't figure out a way to make myself un-miserable in this situation because every okay. time they come over, it's, it, it's just a horror show.
2: So the what's at the root of it, at least this is as I feel into it, it what I sense is that the deal, if you will, was based on control. Yes. Where she wanted something, and so she, the, the, the daughter, wanted something. She wanted a house. And in a way, her half of the manipulation was, I'll get my parents to give me the down payment.
0: Her husband's parents. And it's her in-laws. The
2: husband, okay. And then the, the husband's parents, their part of the manipulation or control was because they want more FaceTime, they, they negotiated this deal. We'll give you the money if we get this. Right. But to me, the whole thing is tied up in control, and neither one right now is willing to let go of the control. And so I would say when, if she's the one who is having an issue with it, she's in a position where she needs to let go of trying to control what's going on. Because when she lets go of control, then there'll be no more resistance, and they'll probably say, oh, we can't make it this month.
1: It's and an it will become idea. a
2: more comfortable arrangement. And or there will be extra money available and they'll be able to pay back the, de- the deposit.
0: It's an interesting approach. It's a very interesting approach. Um, so that's I, how I
2: see it. But yeah. what, what did you have to say?
0: I actually took a completely different tack on it. Um, my, my first, it was actually very reminiscent of something that happened in my own relationship with Louise back when we first met and when we were first, first uh, I don't know how to say it, exposed to the family, so to speak. In other words, the family dynamic had changed because Louise was now in my wife. Not now in my wife, now in my life. Blah, blah, blah. She was now in my life. <laughs> she was about to become my wife, but she wasn't there yet. <laughs> but anyway, um, I can't remember what the exact circumstances were but we were down there uh the, my my parents were living on the lake in Virginia that I've told you about and we were down there for a vacation and we had actually rented an, another house with my brother and I think with my brother's girlfriend at the time if it was if, if it's the year I think it was that's what what the situation was and I don't remember exactly what happened, but there was something where they, my, my mom and maybe my sister, I can't remember for sure, my dad was pretty quiet about those things, wanted us to come talk about it or do something, or we, or uh, I think maybe, maybe it was something like my sister was also looking for vacation time, so I was supposed to spend time with her or something along that line. I don't remember what the exact details were, but the bottom line was it was creating a lot of Conflict And it was creating a lot of hurt feelings and so forth. And we were down there. Louise and I were, were down there because we needed to rest and we needed to get away. And my mom and my sister were trying to drag us into their little thing, whatever that was. And, I, again, I don't remember what the details were. But um, the bottom line was Louise basically said to me, look, you got to choose here because I, I can't deal with their drama right now. So – you either have to choose me or you have to choose them. And I didn't take long. I decided I chose Louise real fast. But it also meant I had to, as gently as I could, talk to them, tell them, look, things have changed. This is the, the, way, the old ways are not there anymore. We have a new dynamic. There's a new person in the mix, and there's somebody that, that person is somebody that I intend to spend the rest of my life with. That changes things. And what it was really about was who was going to control um, my time, who was going to dominate my time. Was it going to be me? Was it going to be my wife? Was it going to be my sister? Was it going to be my mother? Who was going to do it? And I decided it was going to be me. And my choice was to spend my time with my wife or my future wife. That upset the apple cart. But it was also, in my view, essential. Because the only way that I know of that a relationship can work is if the person you're in the relationship with comes first ahead of everything else. The moment that you put that person second to anyone else is the moment the relationship starts to, to fall apart. That's the way I saw it, and that's the way I still see it today. So for, for this woman, my, my first comment to her was, your husband's picking his mother over you. That's not a healthy situation. That's something that he is needs he? to grow a little... Yeah, he was. It was pretty clear he was. Because his, he didn't really, he, he wasn't supportive to her. He, she, she certainly didn't feel like he was supportive to her in terms of how she was feeling. He was just saying, oh, no, 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 we just have to kind of humor them, you know, just dismiss the whole thing. And I'm thinking, well, that's not the way I think you should handle a relationship. I think if, even if it's just a matter of feelings, you got to deal with the feelings. But just dismissing it? No, that doesn't work.
2: See, now the way I took it when you said, he just said, you know, we just got to humor them. The way I heard it energetically was that he had no resistance in it whatsoever, which to me, that's the way you want to be. You want to have no resistance. That's what, okay. that's what she could benefit by is she could find a way to have no resistance the way her husband does. It would become a non-issue.
0: All right. Well, then I have to ask you the question. What do you think about the non-resistance when it came to him being there for her? Because she didn't feel like he was being there for her.
2: That's still her issue.
0: It's also part of the relationship. She's
2: the one with the feeling. She's the one with the feelings that don't feel good. And so only her alignment to her inner being, source being can change that. And if she's trying to make his actions cause her to feel differently, that's what Abraham calls conditional love, where you're creating, you have to have conditions outside of yourself to be, go a certain way for you to feel good. And Abraham is always recommending that you live in a world of uncondition, where regardless of the conditions outside of you, you can find a way within yourself to get yourself aligned. You don't require out people outside of you to do anything specific for you to feel good. See,
0: this is interesting because my view is quite different. My view, and, and it still is quite different, my view is that... It wasn't her that was demanding the conditional love. It was his mother and himself who were demanding the conditional love. Her, His mother's condition was, I will love you with money if you give me access to your and your children when I want to have access. Mm-hmm. That's conditional love. His conditional love was, we got this money, so we have to put up with it. Now, you call that lack of resistance. I call that conditional love.
2: Well, I just said, you know, I, I'm not in the story, and we can't ask. For, great, for more clarity. No, we can't. <laughs> um, just the way you told the story, I picked it up as though he he to him it's like he made a deal and the conditions were not a big deal to him. Like he had no resistance to the condition.
0: So what's your explanation about how she feels like he's not giving her any kind of support on any of this? That he's not there for her to even talk to her and to to help her work through it. He's just saying, well, we just have to put up with it.
2: Well, if he's saying that, as in like, he really has an issue with it, and he's dealing with the best, the, dealing with it the best he can, as in like, I'm just grinning and bearing it, you know, but like, don't ask me for any support because I can barely keep it together for myself. I would still say then that's his issue, and her issue is her issue. But I don't, I still, be- now, I, what I'm talking about right now is in what I would call perfect world scenario. <laughs> uh, in a perfect world, It is not required for either one of them to change their positions for either one of them to feel good. It's still an individual responsibility. And my my ex-husband threw me under the bus to his mother when she wanted to control some things and it made me really uncomfortable. I'm like, hey, this is your mother. Can't you stand up for me? Of course I said that. And he just said, you know what? That's your relationship with her. Have at it. Was I mad at him? Of course I was. Looking back on it, it was mine to deal with. Now, I'm not saying that he was right either, because I think he just didn't want to deal with it. Right. But it was still mine to deal with, regardless if he if my husband stood up for me or didn't stand up for me, regardless if he protected me from his mother or didn't protect me from his mother, really didn't matter. Because if he did protect me from her, Well, what that did is it just saved me one more occurrence where I didn't have to deal with it. But I still had some stuff in me that needed to be changed and cleared so that I don't need somebody to fight my battle. And you know what? When he told me, hey, that's your relationship, you deal with it, I did. And I got to tell you, I was really grateful because once my mother-in-law asked me to do XYZ and I didn't want to, that, that was the whole deal. I didn't want to have to be the one to say no. But my husband would not stand in the breach and say, I'll say no on your behalf so that I take the brunt of her fury.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that as the case with this other couple. I didn't see well, it. Well, I'm, ju- a... I'm
2: just saying this was yeah. my scenario. But yeah. eventually what happened for me was I went deep within and I went, okay, what about Mia so afraid of her? I'm like, because I don't like how she responds when she's unhappy. I'm like, and? And I went, huh, you don't handle it. And so I I found my own way to say no to her in the nicest way I could. And it kind of called her bluff, and she backed down. And after that point, I had power in my relationship with her that I never had before. So I was actually grateful that my husband got out of my way and said, that's your relationship with her, you deal with it. It wasn't nice the way he said it, but bottom line, I no longer needed the conditions of anything outside of myself with her for me to stand up and be in my own power. And I could then say yes or no, or either yes, I'll attend this event, or no, I won't. And I felt good about that.
0: And that so certainly is good that well, that, that, well, that certainly is good that that you were able to do that. I think that's excellent um and I do agree with you that everybody who's involved in this scenario has their own stuff that they did in terms of attracting it there there's mm-hmm. absolutely no doubt about that. The question in my mind is if you want if you're in the middle of it and you want to resolve it, how do you resolve it? um you said that with your mother in law you i don't remember exactly how you you phrased it, but the gist of it was that. You just refused to absorb what you felt she was throwing at. you, you just you, you just didn't even treat it that way. You said, nope, that's that's not part of my thinking anymore. I,
2: actually I stood in my own power for the first time with her instead of cowering.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, well,
2: I, I used to be the cowardly lion with her mm-hmm. because she was really she had a loud loud growl. Mm-hmm. And when my husband no longer was willing to stand between the two of us, I kind of had to find find a way that I didn't want to growl. That's not my thing, just mm. like you and in the Indiana Jones, you like to pull out a gun,
1: shoot.
2: Um I wanted my gun to be word. <laughs> and I wanted to be laced with such a level of empowerment and kindness that she wouldn't be able to refute me. And that's what happened.
1: hmm
2: yeah. So but you know, now you ask kind of a different question, Walt. What do you do in the moment? Well you know maybe in the moment you know and i'm going to go with best case scenario maybe in the moment when the wife is saying to the husband you know why aren't you there to like protect me
1: yeah if and that, the husband i don't
2: think she, i don't think she was asking has, for has,
0: that i want to clarify that i don't think she was asking for protection
2: what was she asking
0: for i think she was asking for understanding of of how it was affecting her
2: because there's something in her that vibrates to whatever this negative experience is.
0: Oh, I understand that. You understand that. She, she clearly didn't understand that. But the point was, she was looking for him to have understanding.
2: Well, if she doesn't understand it, how's he going to understand it?
0: <laughs> Regardless, that's what she was looking for. And I think it's valid. I think it's perfectly valid to ask for understanding. Understanding doesn't have to come in terms of, yes, I really understand the whole picture. It can come just in, in the sense of, I'm sympathetic. I feel bad that you're feeling bad. I would like you to feel better. I'll I will do whatever I can to help you feel better, but obviously well, I that's can't. That's different
2: ca- than understanding. That's acknowledgement.
0: Oh, I don't see a difference.
2: Oh, I do. What is it? It's like I can acknowledge your pain. I I understand. I've been in pain like that. It's kind of empathy, but I don't have to understand why why you're that way. Just. I acknowledge that you are that
0: way. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll accept that definition. In that case, yes, I want. To, then, then she wants acknowledgement.
2: I hope our listeners are having fun because you and I are being antagonistic <laughs> just ever so slightly. It's kind of fun.
0: <laughs> Yo, we're bandying words. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not always fun when we're so agreeable with that's each right. other. Every now and then we have to take opposite points of view. <laughs>
0: But the fact is, I, I, I mean, when, when somebody is in a bad place, I don't care why they're in a bad place. I don't care how they got there. I think it's important to, to, and more than just being acknowledgement, to be there in an empathetic way. I think acknowledgement doesn't go far enough. It doesn't really say the same thing as empathy. I want something that's more than just acknowledgement. I want the empathy. I want like, yeah, you know, I've been there too. Yeah, I, I, I understand how you feel. And, and you know, I, I want to help help you find a way out of this. That's what I look for um hmm. and i also look for i mean i look at that scenario how on earth does let alone what she does put her, put her thing aside for a moment how does he agree with his mom because his mom is big is apparently the big problem not so much his dad his mom is the, is the big problem how does he agree with his mom that his mom can basically buy his love by giving him money in return for free access because certainly there's no real love going on there. That's not well, even close but, to real love. But, how, do, how does he justify that? Now, here's that?
2: something I don't know that we know. Was she Was the wife not part of that agreement?
0: I think she was part of the agreement.
2: Okay, well, then she can't like go. You can't just say, well, then how can the husband do this?
0: No, 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 no. You misunderstand saying, yeah, we'll you take her what money. I'm saying. I, you misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying just okay. put, her, put her aside for a moment. I'm not saying she has no role in it. She does. I'm looking at his oh, role. Okay. I'm only looking at his role. That's it. I'm asking okay. myself, as, her, as the mother's son, how does the son justify what he's doing there? Because it's a very unhealthy thing he's doing, and yet he's doing it.
2: Why does he do that? Um, because he wanted a house.
0: It's a pretty lousy trade in my opinion.
2: Well, I, mean, seriously. I agree. Seriously. And I, mean, I, I, know, I know, I setting... know there are some people who would say that deal is not even considerable. No,
1: it's not but a But obviously deal
2: at all. The, the that, that son and that mother have the kind of relationship that the mother could have even suggested it. And that the husband could even say, Hey wife, what do you think? Should we do this so we could get a house? It'll be an easy way to get a house even though we're, you know, like teaming up with the devil to do it.
0: <laughs> so so once I come to the conclusion that that's basically the 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 space he's in, first thing I have to conclude is he has no backbone where his mother is concerned. And the second thing I have to decide is that he's willing to to propose a bad deal in order to get a house. Agreed? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm too emotionally healthy to handle that, but from my perspective, I don't even know why I'd want to be with him. I mean, I I don't want to be with him anyway because I'm not homosexual. But but but
2: but, she's she's part of that same energy. That's how I see it.
0: Oh, of course she is.
2: Yeah. Because she's married to him. I agree. And the fact that she married... uh, I'm going to be purposely ugly. She married (laughs) a mama's boy (laughs) because she liked that. That, That's part of her deal.
0: She did. She did.
2: So it's kind of like there is so much... But it vibrational excuse him. Yeah, there is a racial entanglement with the three of them. There's a ton. Um, there is. That it's kind of like, there's nobody to blame here. Each one of them has their own role in what they're contributing to how something got this messy. Absolutely. She just may be the first one to cry uncle.
0: Yes. I think that's exactly what's happened.
2: You know. So in a way, if I saw that Facebook post, I might steer clear of it because There's just way too much in there that unless she says, unless she came out saying, you know what, I know that I'm a part of this equation and now that I'm in it, I want to know how I can possibly feel better and get through it. That would be a very healthy question.
1: Mm -hmm. That
2: would be somebody on the brink of saying, wow, I did some really stupid stuff and now I have incredible awareness of how stupid it was. So here I am today. I recognize what is, and I sure would love to shift it. Can anybody yeah. help me with this? Because I'll bet law of attraction has something to say. That would be something that would be very fun for me to want to um, address. Because that's somebody who says, hello, I'm standing in my own being, and I'm willing to take responsibility for the actions that I've taken. What's next?
0: Yeah, you're right. It would have been great if she had done that. She she tried to I, I i think she was somewhat close to that but she was still kind of muddled about her own role in it so she wasn't quite there but I mean, it, but that would be yeah great i mean
2: and i'm again i don't remember the exactness of how you p- posed the question from her but if she's trying to blame her husband um or no, anybody no no, 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 any no she equation. wasn't
0: she, she wasn't trying to blame anybody she was, she was frustrated oh. but i was the one if anybody who was who was casting blame and i was saying <laughs> that that husband really needs to work on something here because i mean the way i saw it it's a boundary issue there's there's like some massive boundaries that need to be drawn here that aren't drawn because you can't really there's no way to 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 fix this other than trying to like you said go inside and try to fix it inside um but in terms of of the dynamic itself there's no way to stop that dynamic until somebody draws a line and says look you got Well and
2: you did and you did empathize because you brought up the the uh um, dilemma you were in with your family your family versus your oh, wife I did. In the yeah, much. that you were you felt that you had to make so yeah. of course you were i could see why you were a match to seeing her oh yeah. question.
0: i was definitely
2: yeah yeah,
0: yeah no doubt I, this
2: is fun walt let's do one of these again <laughs>
0: well we're gonna have to do it tomorrow because we are completely out of time so let's do it tomorrow what do you say <laughs>
2: I'm going to be here. I hope we have another kind of contrary question come up, just <laughs> we'll so see we what can we play antagonists teg- to each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see what we can do. So just tune in tomorrow and find out whether or not we do have that question because we'd love to do it. <laughs> we'll see you all tomorrow here on L.O.A. Today. Everybody, goodbye, everybody.
2: Bye bye now. <laughs>